you're listening to Unique Leaders Podcast. I'm Megan DiMartino. Success is in the story. Each week, I'll be speaking with a unique leader, not only in their field, but in their lives. Join us for a glimpse of their passion and talents. There's always a surprise in their story. Be the first to hear. Hello, 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 and welcome to Unique Leaders Live. I'm Megan DiMartino, and it is Friday, and I am so, so thankful and so excited to have my guest, Glenn Lundy, with me today. As you all know, Unique Leaders is about their story, and their success is in the story. And this is a fabulous hour just to sit back and listen to Glenn Lundy's story of how he became the number one kids, the number one morning show in in America, but going to be soon in the world. And I am just blessed to be part of that on some small level and also to know Mr. Glenn Lundy. So without further ado, we're ready to hear Mr. Lundy's story. So welcome, Glenn, to Unique Leaders Live. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me, Megan. I appreciate you sharing this space and time with me. It means the world to me. Well, it's just, you know, it's a special weekend. And, uh, you know, when I was uh, thinking about who I'd like to have as my guest, Glenn, you were on the top of the list, top (laughs) of that list. So Unique Leaders is a little different than maybe some of the uh, interviews you're normally on. When people who are interviewing you are asking you questions about, you know, right now and things about you um, that have created, you know, from I'm not going to even put any points out there, but what have has created this success. But uh, what I like to do is bring it back to the beginning because the success is in the story and because you and I both know we've done many things. And people look at me and look at you and say, wow, how did how did you do this? I mean, you perceive that, you know, just rolled out of bed and became, you know, the number one, uh, <laughs> you know, show in America, AM show. So, no, it's a lot of work and a lot of time, but it didn't just start in the last few years. It started way back when. Sure. So, so share with our uh, viewers today, Glenn, young Glenn. Where, you know, that mar- I say, you know, New York City was my marinade, you know, my DNA of my creative marinade. And so where does where's the little beginning of Glenn Lundy today begin? Yeah. So I grew up in Flagstaff, Arizona. Uh, that's where I spent most of my years, uh, very early years. My dad was in the military. He was in the army. And so we traveled around. Um, until I was like four or five, and then uh, landed in good old Flagstaff, Arizona, which is a a mountain town right there in the backyard of the of the Grand Canyon, uh, seventy five hundred feet elevation, snows six months out of the year, uh, a really really unique place um, to grow up, beautiful place to grow up. Beautiful. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I grew up there. Um, my parents were hardworking. Uh, my dad worked in a in a in a factory. He was a, he worked at a Walgreens warehouse, and my mom worked for an organization called Gore and Associates, and so she did medical billing. And so we grew up. Um, we never went without, that's for sure. But there was no surplus as far as financially, and uh, that kind of helped create the salesman in me. Uh, because I knew that if I wanted anything extra, I was going to go have, have to go have to go out there and work for it, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I started selling uh, candy 
when I was in middle school, I would I would sell candy to all the kids at school, and ever since then, I've been I've been selling for a, a, a long time now. <laughs> you know, but you just said selling quote unquote uh, candy to the kids in middle school, um, but that's truly commerce, meaning getting that money for that extra whatever. Um, I don't want to jump ahead too uh, uh, far, but uh, that was that commerce. Uh, when did you evolve, one of your words and mine, into knowing that it was something more than just that commerce, that it was that relationship? So I think um, once I got, so when I was 20 years old, uh, I met a I met a young lady. I guess I was nineteen, but I met a young lady in college, and she got pregnant um, rather quickly. And so I had my daughter. And when I had my daughter, I dropped out of college and went into the work world. Um, started working for a company called Sterner and Klein, where we sold America Online, which ages me a little bit. But we sold America Online to people. It was a telemarketing. Um, you know, type place. And so I did a lot of phone sales and uh, led a team there at that particular organization. And then that led me into car sales. So I saw an ad in the newspaper one day that said, make $5,000 a month guaranteed. And I was like, wow, that's all the money I would ever need. And so I started selling cars at 20. And that's when I started to realize the relational side um, it blew my mind that I could say a word track and the customer would not respond. And then my, well, one of my leaders could step out and say the exact same words, but a little bit differently. And he would get a completely different result. And so that intrigued me. Like, what is it that, why do people say yes to some people and no to others? And I started to really dive in and understand the uh, uh you know just the the, re the relationship yeah yeah, yeah uh, of how relationships actually actually drive and mm -hmm. trust how that actually drives uh results now were you in still in flagstaff at this time or had you moved or where, where were you then yeah i was i was still in flagstaff uh when i graduated high school I actually, I, I scored really high on my uh, SAT and my ACT, nice. and so I got, it, it was crazy. So I got accepted to like every college in the United States, but there was only one college that gave me a scholarship, and that was the one right there in my backyard. So mm -hmm. I stayed in Flagstaff uh, all the way up until, you know, my late 20s, um, mid to late 20s, uh, before I actually ended up leaving there. And so you uh, late 20s so you were selling cars during this season um during that time and then you where did you go in your late 20s so i was selling cars my career was great as far as i was i was good at it i was really good in the car business so i went from selling cars to a, a finance manager to a sales manager to a general sales manager and so i was making money and doing well in my career but my life outside of work was shambles um, my daughter was not a priority my daughter's mother was definitely not a priority uh, and i was spending a lot of time in bars and and, and those types of things and so uh, when my daughter was six years old 
her mother decided to that she wanted full custody of her and so I lost, I ended up losing custody of her when she was six. And that sent me into uh, uh, a bit of a spin um, to where I decided that if I could, I like, I couldn't be in the same town. I couldn't be in the same town and not be able to see my daughter. And so I left, uh, kind of ran away from Flagstaff at that point and um, spent the next couple of years trying to find where I was going to land. Um, but along the way, making lots of mistakes, uh, and being young and dumb and all of those things. Uh -huh. And, uh, and so that path led me, you know, I traveled all over the Western United States. Uh, and, and that path led me to burning a lot of bridges, which led me to uh, a season of, of homelessness, and that season of homelessness led me to hopelessness and the hopelessness led me to depression and the depression led me to suicidal thoughts. And, and ultimately, I attempted to take my life at one point um, unsuccessfully, clearly. And uh, and uh, and yeah. And so after coming back out of that, uh, I got a job and, and, and spent some time over on the eastern side of the United States. And that's where I, I trickled upon. I just happened to fall into this place called uh, Lexington, Kentucky, doing a job and absolutely fell in love with Kentucky um, shortly after that moved to Kentucky. And that's where I've been now for the last, I guess, 14 years or something, 13, 14 years. Before we go into that phase or period of your life, uh, as I shared, I know a little bit more about you and um, you have a book called The Morning Five. And in that book, you share a story which I actually have used as a tool with my staff about your, you, you alluded to this, you mentioned this right there, but uh, that story about when you're at the beach. Why don't you share that story? Because there are a lot of people that we know and meaning that I don't mean we know personally, but that are in our sphere that are feeling very hopeless. And um, I think it's an important story, Glenn, to share. Yeah. So I just I had spent some time homeless and the worst part of homelessness is not being broke. It's not that you don't have food. It's not that you don't have a roof over your head. Uh, the worst part of homelessness is that you become invisible. Mm -hmm. um, people, they just don't want to make eye contact with you, uh, which I get, right? They don't know if you're going to mug them or ask them for money and make them feel guilt or, or anything like that. And so people just start to avoid making eye contact with you. They look over you, around you, and through you, but they don't look at you. Mm -hmm. And that feeling of being invisible I would never wish it on my worst enemy. It's, it's, it's awful. It's, it's really an awful feeling. And so after feeling like that for a while, and I was just going through the motions, every day was the same, right? I would, I would uh, spend the day hunting for change so that I could get a sausage McMuffin with egg. And then I would spend the night hunting for change so that I could get on a bus and I would sleep on the bus all night as it ran, it ran, ran its rounds. And then at 6 a.m. it would stop at the depot and they would, you know, I'd get off the bus and I would just do it all over again. And so at, at some point, I had convinced myself that the world would be a better place if I wasn't in it. 
then my mom wouldn't have to worry about me. I couldn't hurt anybody anymore because I had hurt a lot of people. And so I went to La Jolla, California, the beaches of La Jolla, California, which was the first place I'd ever seen the ocean, uh, you know, eight years earlier or something like that. And uh, I just decided that I would swim out as far as I could go. And then I wouldn't be able to come back because I'm not a very good swimmer at all. Um, and so I did. I, I, I stepped out into the ocean after the beaches kind of cleared. Everybody was gone. And I just kind of stepped out and swam out as far as I could. And, um, you know, ultimately reached a point where I was out of breath and out of energy and wasn't able to keep my head above water anymore. And um, I went under and which, which I thought was for the last time. And when I went under, my, my feet hit the ground and I popped back up uh, only to realize that the tide was washing in as I was trying to swim out and I wasn't a strong enough swimmer to even get out past the tide. And so I rolled up on the beach and I laid there in that moment looking up at the stars and realizing the expanse of the universe. And I had some, some you know, call it God or uh, whispers or thoughts or revelations, whatever you want to call it. But I realized in that moment a couple of things. One, that the universe is so big and my problems were really tiny in comparison to the expansiveness of the opportunities that existed out there. Um, but I also realized that I had been blaming everyone else for everything that had gone wrong in my life. And as I lay there and kind of flashed through, they say your life flashes before your eyes or whatever. But as I flashed through all these different experiences, I came to realize that there was one constant and that's that I was there, right? No matter what city I was in, no matter what state I was in, no matter who else was around, I was the only constant in the situation. And so that helped me to see like, okay, wait a minute, maybe you're not the victim of this, but you're actually the catalyst of this. You're causing this. And if you can cause all the negative things in your life, well, then it's only safe to assume that you can actually create an abundant and positive life that you have that gift and ability in you and so that revelation for me was huge it was a, it was a big shift for me um i'd like to say of course i just hopped on the horse and everything went amazing from there and it didn't i'm stubborn yeah. right so i yeah. still made lots of mistakes yeah. um, but that sent me on a path of self-understanding mm -hmm. to where i was like okay well if i'm the catalyst i should probably get to know me a little bit Mm -hmm. uh, and that sent me down a spiritual journey. So I started to learn the spiritual side of myself as well as, you know, just a physical and a mental and just really starting um, to understand who I was. I kind of call it my 2D versus 3D. So mm -hmm. I was living a 2D life up until that moment. It was all, you know, mind and body. If it looked good and it felt good, mm -hmm. I was in. Mm -hmm. uh, and it wasn't until I added that third dimension, the spiritual side, and started to understand that we are spiritual beings, then that opened my eyes to, to some new avenues of exploration um, that have helped me grow and develop you know, to where I am today. Thank you for sharing that, because I really feel so strongly in not only your journey, but my own, as well as others that it is that moment of however now that was pretty dramatic 
meaning, and I can just visualize, you know, the tide rolling out and you lying on the beach and the vast expanse of the universe. I mean, right. it's pretty dramatic, but the, we all have those moments of that aha moment where we are part of the problem and mm -hmm. we must step out of our own way and allow, and then, as you also said, uh, to go within and start learning because mm -hmm. information is so vitally important. And uh, in that information, you then continue on in your next steps. So how long after that did it take for you? Like you said, that didn't it happen immediately, but how long after that did you move to the East Coast? So right after that, I, uh, uh, I started doing some studying and then uh, ultimately got the job that, that brought me out and, and uh, helped me to see Kentucky and so on and so forth. And so I'd say that whole season after that, it was about probably nine months from there uh, to where I ended up in Kentucky. And then even in Kentucky, I was still a bonehead. You know, I was still, um, you know, running around and, and chasing girls and doing lots of drinking and, and partying and, and so on and so forth. And it wasn't until I met my wife. Uh, I met my wife. She was a bartender at a bar. And I met her and we hooked up and she got pregnant. And I was like, okay, Glenn, here we go. You're back okay. in square one all over again. Um, but this time I had some knowledge. I had, I had some wisdom and information that I didn't have before. And so uh, meeting my wife was, was she, like I describe our relationship, like I'm like a kite. Like I'm, I'm this, I'm this kite and she's the one that's like on the ground holding the strings. So she lets me fly. Wow. But she but she keeps me attached so that I don't go off into the, you know, into the whatever, into the solar system or wherever I would mm -hmm. typically go. Mm -hmm. And so she helped kind of reel me in um, and really showed me what love looked like. And I had, I, I, I had experienced love from my mom. My mom was always incredibly loving as well as my stepdad. Um, but other than that, I hadn't really experienced like a true unconditional love. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and she showed me that. And, and so that made me want to be better. Um, I didn't want to ever lose custody of another child. And so uh, I poured into that relationship. She poured into me and, and we grew kind of together from from there. And you know, now we got all kinds of babies. <laughs> Before we go there. Uh, but she believed in you. She did. And that what is such a powerful thing when someone even if you're a bonehead uh, or bone-ish you know like getting right. on the path that she saw you she saw the real glenn and that she poured that unconditional as you said love into you you know i i knew we would be speaking about leslie and um or and i'm so glad you are here because to me uh in preparation for the next step the you know, that saying that behind every successful man is a, a very, you know, solid, powerful, good, terrific, whatever woman. Um, and I think of you guys that way because, you know, and I can just see, you know, I mean, my gosh, this not only is this woman has, a, you know, uh, it's has been pregnant a lot, but which is not an easy task in itself. It's not an easy thing. But also she helps you run your businesses and she homeschools these children and she does the birthday breakfast. I mean, that to me shows 
because I'm a I'm a holiday girl. I'm a Ray D. Martin. My sister, I said to my sister, you know, Mary, I'm not going to decorate for Christmas. She goes, you're Ray D. Martino's daughter. Come on. <laughs> you will decorate. <laughs> yes. I mean, he had Kentucky Derby, uh, any opportunity to celebrate. We celebrated as children. We did the Kentucky Derby, you know, when we lived on Long Island. But right. anyway. But the point of the point is I see so much in her uh, of just this just magical person that uh, very, very special person. Very, yeah, very she's, special. She's an incredible gift. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was a knucklehead when we met, too. You know, that's the that's the best part is is her and I both. You know, we came from the streets like she mm-hmm. she's a tough cookie. She was out on her own when she was 15 years old and she had made plenty of mistakes. That. Along the way of that, but, you know, you've never said that before. I yeah. I'm upset, Leslie. I'm sorry. But Doesn't anyway. upset her at all. She doesn't mind. She, but she's she's wicked street smart. man. And our our relationship in the beginning was very volatile. Uh, you know, Eminem says, uh, uh, like their 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 relationships like a tornado and a volcano right and that's how ours were there was so much passion so much passion between the two of us that when we fought it was like a tornado and a volcano mm-hmm. and when we were deeply like enthralled with each other it was the same like there was just so much passion and energy and neither one of us really knew how to handle that and mm-hmm. she's much younger than i am uh she's eight Eight, eight and a half years younger than me or something like that. So mm-hmm. she was just out of college. She's 21, 21, 22 years old. And I'm, I'm in my early thirties. And, um, and so it was really volatile in the beginning. And she was, you know, at one point we, we got into an argument. She we were drinking and she drove off in, in her car, uh, drunk and hit a piece of ice on the, on the road, spun around backwards and her car went backwards into another car that was coming head on and she broke her back uh, all the way up and down. She's got scars and metal plates and all this stuff, um, you know, in her back. And so it was real volatile in the beginning. And then God gave us Savannah. And as soon as she got pregnant with Savannah, like she found her purpose. She, she was built to be a mom and she's been momming ever since. Right. And, uh, yeah, she has been momming ever since. And so, yeah, it was it was it was amazing to grow with her, both of us coming from knuckleheads uh, so we can have that appreciation. And then at the same time, we're so different personality wise that we can yin and yang and it just it just all works. I loved watching her uh, last summer at uh, th- uh, at um, Grow Your Business for God's sake. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just I like observing people, I, I sure. you know. I'm a big mouth myself sometimes, but you know, I'd like to step back and watch people. And it was very interesting how she, I mean, she was breastfeeding Oakland at the time, but also selling like hotcakes at, at the table, but very, very, very reserved. And, yeah. um, but she's, she's all involved though. You can see that she's, she's there, but I just want to point out to our listeners that we're all knuckleheads. And we all have these stories. And now when you listen to Glenn every morning and the dedication to being up and, and putting this amazing choreographed, uh, I don't know if this is the right term, but very professionally put together show. Um, and then you listen to these stories, guys. We all have hope and possibilities. That's right. 
That's right. Oh, oh. And you said a very key word there. She found her purpose. Yeah. She, and that is a blessing. When you find your purpose, it truly is a blessing. So Miss Savannah came with to the earth. And, uh, and so she's now a mama and you're working uh, at Dan Cummings? Yes. Yeah, once we had Savannah, so I had to make a choice because prior when Leslie and I met, I was running a uh, a free poker league. So my my business at the time, I was my business was to hang out in bars and restaurants until three o'clock in the morning and drink every night. That's what I got paid to do mm -hmm. uh, for a good for a good season. And so that's how I met her. She was a bartender. And um, so once Savannah came, then my wife was like, "Look, bro, like." You're gonna have to get a big boy job. Like you can't just be hanging out in bars and restaurants till three in the morning. This is not gonna work at all. And so the only thing I knew how to do really well was the car business. But I was scared to death of the car business because the last time I had been in the car business, it had led me to homeless and um, depressed and and trying to kill myself. And so I had to make a decision if I was going to go back into the car business. Like in my season in the car business before, the car business had shaped me. If I was going to go back in, I was going to shape the car business. I wasn't going to allow it to shape me. And so I made a decision to go back. And luckily, I don't even want to say luckily, but God put me in Paris, Kentucky, which is where my wife grew up. So we, we moved there so that we could be close to her mom. So her mom could help with the baby. And I started working at Dan Cummins and I, and, and working for an incredible human being, Josh Cummins, the owner of that dealership. Uh, and together him and I were like yin and yang, man, it was, it was amazing. And I, I, that was the intention is like, how do we shift the car business? Because I know what it does to to, to people. I know what it did to me and what my, my story wasn't the only story out of the car business. I can tell you that. Mm -hmm. And so I dedicated and kind of made it my mission to shift the industry in a way that would benefit others. So they wouldn't have to go through what I went through and also create a safe environment for me and my kids and my wife um, for me to be in it. And in, in doing so, I had a tremendous amount of success in that store it was a tiny little deer dealership in a tiny little town. And over a period of just under six years, we were able to grow 800% to make it the second largest used car franchise dealership in the country. Uh, tremendous success. A lot of relationships stemmed from that. Started doing a lot of things on social as well for marketing purposes, branding purposes, which kind of got me. Um, some recognition, you know, within the auto world. Mm -hmm. And that later created an opportunity for me to be, to, for me to be able to do things like rise and grind and grow your business for God's sake. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, events like that. But, you know, you said something interesting that Dan Cummins gave you the opportunity to, um, it was kind of like a blank slate ish mm -hmm. to, give you the opportunity because you had your partner there who understood he didn't like the way the car industry was uh, operated and wanted to make a difference as well. So the two of you together, and he gave you that opportunity to shine, to be Glenn. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. And he, yeah. and, and, and he was another one that believed in me, right? Yes. Um, for no reason. He didn't have to. 
you know, I didn't have the resume for it. No, but. I understand that. But again, your spirit shines through. And uh, that has been since you were a little boy. I'm, I assure sure. you playing on those, uh, the stories the other day, I was watching your stuff and uh, the, the, the dumpster and the uh, your buddy there and the whole thing by your apartment. Right. So I mean, you've been an adventurer forever. I have been an adventurer forever. That's for sure. (laughs) So you, and you just also made a statement. This is a little nugget. I don't know if anyone uh, knows this. I'm sure they do, but you just said you grew at 800% and that is the name. I don't want to jump to the 800% club yet, but that is what the name. So is that, did that correlate that you grew at 800% and yeah, totally. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. We'll get there. So, okay. So you're, (laughs) So you, um, what started, like, yes, I mean, you started doing social um, with for your work. You know, you're out there, like our friend Alex Flores. I live in the Austin, Texas area. I mean, the guy's on camels and, you know, right. all sorts of crazy things. But, <laughs> you know, he's Alex good. is amazing. He's, he's amazing. <laughs> but, I mean, so I'm not saying you did that, but you were doing things to bring attention to Dan Cummins and uh, and the marketing that you wanted to do yeah well we had to tell a story you know if i was going to shift the industry i couldn't do it you can't you can't change an industry behind a curtain right like it just doesn't work and so i literally had a list of things that consumers hated about the car business and i had a list of things that employees hated about the car business Mm -hmm. and i just decided we're going to do everything 180 degrees different and in doing so you know part of that was social we had to expose who we are and what we do and be able to show people that you can trust us and we're not a bunch of slimy car guys and so i started going live on saturday mornings in our meetings so that people could see behind the scenes this is what we talk about this is how we train you know we're not just back there going all right make all the money hit them over the head you know those are not the conversations and so I, i i created that and we told stories we we told stories through video and through highlighting all of my incredible people that i got the opportunity to work with i would highlight them and take their picture and tell their story right and 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 just doing that so that people could see like oh wait a minute this industry can be really beneficial for people that are in it it can be a healthy environment for people that are in it it can be a safe environment for people that are in it as well as the consumer Mm -hmm. and so i had to tell that story as often as possible to get people to believe it because if you just tell them but you don't show them they're like yeah right everybody says that and so we showed them Mm -hmm. consistently every day uh, behind the scenes there was sometimes the owner was like glenn like bro like are you gonna hide anything at all like i mean these all these other dealers are watching us now and all these other like they're using our tricks and i'm like bro this the, the universe is abundant man like mm-hmm. there is no shortage yes. of people there is no shortage of opportunities uh you know it's good to have worthy adversaries and i'm not interested in in hiding we don't have to have all these secrets our industry has been so secretive for so long and look where it's got us then we show the other side you look at somebody like tesla 
-hmm. that's like wide open. Here's the doors. Here's the cameras. This is what we're doing. This is what we're building. This is what we're shooting for. These are our goals. You know, and you see all of those things. They don't even advertise. And they're the wealthiest car company in the world in just just under you know 10 years. And so that was my philosophy was, you know, I don't care who sees or who watches. As a matter of fact, the more car people that are watching, the easier it is for me to attract good talent because <laughs> their stores <laughs> not that, right? That out there. Yes. You know, a little known secret. Um, I don't even know if our friend Lisa Copeland knows this. I uh, did share this with Melissa Burroughs, but I sold cars at Overseas Motors for six months in Fort Worth, hey. Texas. As I was putting together Glycolique, my first brand, it was down right the street. And, uh, yes, and that was what I didn't like. I loved, well, obviously, a Jaguar, a Jaguar. But uh, but what I loved about it was the, I love on sale. I mean, I'm a salesperson, right. but I'm a communicator, you know. So I loved the product, and I believed in the product, and you know, that was easy for me. But what I didn't like is what you just said was that secrecy, meaning mm -hmm. I wasn't able to close the deal. Now I do understand there's finance, you know, finance sure. managers and all that, but there was such a disconnect from the relationship portion with the uh, person or the couple and then the the sale and that piece was what i really didn't i knew it wasn't forever so i wasn't upset about it but um i truly truly enjoyed my might have been eight months but regardless it was i i did sell cars and i sold <laughs> that's <laughs> awesome yeah. Yeah. yes so um so like i could said, see you being a very good car salesperson if you would have stayed in there people you're so trusting and you care like that's really what it takes, right? It just, exactly. it's just really to care. And that's what frustrated you is that you cared so much about the consumer, but yet you weren't able to, you weren't given the tools you needed to serve them properly. And that can be a frustrating place for a person with a big heart. Yes, it, it that in a nutshell, yes. Yeah. But, I, but I do recognize and have thought of, even before I met you guys, um, all my car buddies now that, um, you know, that's something I could do, but it's not what I'm going to do. But I could see knowing you, I could go back and uh, and, you know, do it differently. Right. But anyhow, so you were but then you were doing the social. And when I met you, so to speak, was when Lisa Copeland, who I mentioned a few times here, who I met in 2005, probably when I first moved to the Austin, Texas area. And she had a beautiful boutique. It was like Beverly Hills. You can see this with Lisa. Uh, Beverly Hills came to Round Rock. Right. And, uh, one day she said to me, Megan, I want to do facials. Excuse me. And so, because I'm an esthetician by license. Right. And she, she was having this ladies' night. And she goes, Come do facials. I said, Lisa, you don't do facials sitting up in a boutique. And she goes, Oh, you can do it. I've met so many people over the years that said, You know, you did a facial for me that night. <laughs> That's awesome. But uh, but anyhow, then she went on and did her fiat and, and on and on. But you, she was interviewing you in your closet mm -hmm. for her big sellers. And uh, that is when I first saw you. And I said, hmm, I need to follow this guy. Meaning because it was the wisdom that you've shared uh, today in this show. Meaning it's the love, the compassion, the interest. But you were still at not but but you were still at Dan Cummings. And so you were still that manager in that management role. And as a, as a team leader, as a manager, as a um, 
company owner, that still resonated with me as well. So I, not every day, but I started watching Rise and Grind. So tell our audience a little bit, because there are people watching this and who will be watching this, who, I mean, I tell anybody and everybody about Rise and Grind, but that will listen to me, but, <laughs> but I mean, I've had the cra craziest questions about it. Why did you get up at 4.15 in the morning? Well, I mean, it's like a cult. Well, you know, no, it's not a cult. <laughs> you know? I have I have heard that many a times. <laughs> I've had uh, I've had I've had many people, many people's spouses, right? Like so, so we'll have people that are in resin grind, and their spouses will be like, "Dude, that's a cult." Like you're following. <laughs> He's the cult leader, right? <laughs> but then typically, what ends up happening is I get an apology message from that person. Like nine months later, they're like. I apologize. In the beginning, I thought this was a cult, but the, the change in my husband or in my okay. wife has been so incredible. And thank you so much. And then they then they jump on board and start getting up early. So it's pretty cool to, it to is so watch. Cool. It is so cool to watch. And that evolution, yes, that change in that person. So I want you to share with uh, our guests, you know, that you started this why though why did you start this because it yeah, was different so, than your social at dan cummins yeah so rise and grind you know it's a morning show monday through friday mornings 5 30 a.m we've done 754 episodes as of today and um yeah. in the beginning it, it really was threefold uh i believe if you can change the way people start their day it'll make a massive impact in their life i truly believe that and that is something that I taught my guys over at the dealership. Um, it's something that you can apply to business as well as in your your you know your personal life. Like I think it's important that businesses look at how they start their day. How are your employees starting at work and not just outside of work? But it's also crucially important first thing in the morning. And so um, knowing that, I wanted to create a space online there was just so much negativity and hate and violence and all these things and so i wanted to create a space that was safe that would be nothing but motivation education inspiration and i wanted to create it first thing in the morning where we could catch people in that most crucial hour when the brain is firing and it's just wanting to consume so much information and so i thought okay well i could do a show in the morning to inject that i could also do the show to help keep me in line and disciplined and accountable i'd had a lot of success in the dealership i was really comfortable in the position that i was in uh, you know making great money the white picket fence i got the wife the kids all of those things but i wasn't you know like mm -hmm. i'm i have a fear of comfort i really do i don't like to mm -hmm. to be comfortable I, I like challenges i like being uncomfortable i know that's where the growth exists yes and so I, I wanted to do it for me. I wanted to do it to make an impact in, on others. And then also there was a business marketing um, portion of it where I used to start every show and say, I'm Glenn Lundy, husband to one, father to back then it was like four or five. Um, and the general manager at Dan Cummins Chevrolet and Buick in Paris, Kentucky, the second largest used car franchise dealership in America. It's 5.30 a.m. And I hope you're ready to rise and grind. So every morning I was planting that, you know, just like a jingle on the radio or anywhere else. It was incredible. It was amazing marketing. Um, people were 
and and I would tell stories of the dealership and the things that were happening in the dealership and people with the dealership. And so it was a, it was a commercial as well as serving a, a, a need and helping people grow and develop as well as doing something for me. So it was just win, win, win mm-hmm. um, all, the, all the way around, you know, and I had no idea that it was going to do what it's done, you know, now. But initially that was kind of the mindset behind it. Uh, and, and where we got started in, 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 like you said, a little closet, man, it was like a eight foot long by six foot wide utility closet that there was a water heater just on the other side of the camera that no one could see. (laughs) But you know, you just said this, this little show here, um, started during COVID or the lockdown. And I'd been doing a few little Facebook live things, but, um, but this started from, on some level, a helping others, you know, and uh, because a friend of mine started a directory for um, alternative medical practitioners, and I was trying out, and Elizabeth, who you met earlier, oh my God, I could tell you stories, it's like you were saying in the closet and lighting, and even though we have a large way to go, we have come a long way, but but I um, said, oh, I'm trying out this thing, StreamYard. You want to come on and uh, and expose you, you know, or your project. So that's how this started. And um, I mentioned my father earlier, but my father loved people and loved knowing about people. Sure. So I grew up that way. He asking, you know, my boy, a guy coming to pick me up. So tell me about yourself. It's like, oh, dad, please. And, <laughs> but, but. It's I truly enjoy knowing about people. And so in using that approach ish, but that was just natural, asking this woman these questions, you know, how where did this all start? The response to it was amazing. And I'm like, wow, okay, let's let's keep on doing this. And mm-hmm. so that's you know, but it all started with helping another person and also marketing. Right. You're what you're doing, you know. And uh, like you said about your jingle, so it um, it just evolved. And so, how long from that point did you leave and tell our our viewers about that epiphany? About and how did that epiphany come to be? Yeah, sure. So I started the show on January sixth of two thousand eighteen. Uh, fast forward to October fifteenth of two thousand eighteen. So ten ten months later, mm-hmm. um, there was a. So I had been at that dealership going on eight years at that point, and I never took any time off. I I just don't, I don't, I don't miss days. I don't do that. And so I took 10 days off for the first time in, you know, eight years. And the reason I took 10 days off is there was a conference called Hustle and Grind Con that I was a part of where we were pulling together my rise and grind people as well as the sales hustler community and we were putting on a conference for the automotive world that was unlike anything and everyone anyone had ever seen before and so we had that conference and then the next weekend there was a men's christian leadership conference and i always missed those because i worked on fridays and saturdays in the Mm -hmm. dealership and so I told my wife what I was going to do is do the conference down in Florida, Hustle and Grand Con. Then I would come back. I'd spend a couple of days at the house hanging out with kids. And then I was going to go to this men's Christian leadership conference. And it just, so I bookend two weekends, took 10 days off work. And mm. while I was at Hustle and Grand Con, 
I was standing on stage and speaking and I knew that that was where I was supposed to be. I was exactly where I was supposed to be. And then while I was there, I got to speak on stage with one of my you know, heroes, uh, Eric Thomas, the number one motivational speaker in the world. Another one of my heroes, Danielle Delgado, who was absolutely incredible. And so I got to speak on stage with these humans and it just felt right. Um, it just felt right. And so I came out of that event. Uh, Danelle had whispered some amazing words into my ear that made me feel so empowered and just incredible. And so I came out of that and immediately went into uh, hanging out with my family for three days, like all day, for every day for three days, which I, I had never done. Like mm -hmm. I just worked, you know, 70 hours a week at the dealership, saw my kids on Sundays and uh, some on Wednesdays and that was it. And so I spent three days with the family, which was incredible, hanging out with my wife and the kids and it just felt amazing. Then I go to this men's Christian leadership conference and while I'm there, the pastor at the conference, he's like, everybody thinks Jesus is this, you know, soft dude that walks around carrying a sheep. He's like, but, you know, the, the Jesus that I know when you really dig into the Bible, like Jesus was a warrior, dude. He was a fighter. Like he went in and flipped tables and and faced danger. I mean, he he went out of his way to deliver a message of hope to everyone, man, the least of these. Right. And so I'm like, wow, okay. The stage felt great. Time with my family felt great. Like I'm empowered. I'm like, okay, so I, you know, rise and grind can't just be something I play with. Like it's like I need to fiercely seek opportunities to serve other people. And so I did all that and I was jacked up. I went back to work that Monday. I was so excited to get back to work and just pour into my guys, pour into my team. I had more energy than I'd had in a really long time. And uh Got back to work, had a conversation, and in the midst of that conversation, I just, like, he didn't make me feel the way that everything else had just made me feel. You know, the 10 days had made me feel spectacular, like, so worthy and so valuable. You saw the vision. Yeah. And, 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 and he didn't make me feel that. He made me feel less than. He made me feel small. He made me feel not valued. And so in the midst of that conversation with no desire whatsoever to do this, I just felt a tug. I felt like God was saying, make a choice, Glenn. You can stay right here for the rest of your life if you want. The next 10, 15, 20 years, you'll be happy. You'll make money, right? Like you'll be good. You can do that or you can walk away right now and see what I have for you, right? Uh, and so I just decided to quit, like right then and there, in the middle of the conversation. The guy I was talking to was like, what? Like, what do you mean you quit? <laughs> and I was like, I'm not mad, dude. I'm completely at peace. Like, I quit. And so I went home and my wife was due any minute. She was nine months pregnant. She was due any minute. She didn't expect to see me for the next five months because I had just taken 10 days off of work and she knew I never did that. And so here it was 9.45 in the morning and I was back home on a Monday. She was like, what are you doing here? And I told her I quit my job. And, you know, you would think a woman nine months pregnant. We had five kids at the time, I think, or six. 
Um, you would think she'd freak out, but Megan, she smiled the biggest smile I've ever seen her smile in our entire relationship. And that's when I knew like, okay, this is, she has every reason to freak out. And instead she's smiling like ear to ear. So I hadn't realized how much I had put on her shoulders, how heavy the burden was that she was carrying with our kids and, and allowing me to chase my dreams and my success. And so there was a lot of relief there for her. Uh, she couldn't believe it at first, but then she, you know, she, it, it, it settled in. And, uh, and yeah, that was how my journey began as an entrepreneur. <laughs> so how much though, listening to this, and I mean, I've heard this story in different ways, but I'm hearing nuggets today that I have not, you know, putting together some dotted lines, but also I would say, and you tell me if you agree with this on any level, that big smile also was that she knew you had, she believes in you. She knows you. And she, uh, how much of that was that she knew you were not stifling, but it was time for a change. And that maybe it had, like you said, five months, well, it happened sooner and you didn't get buried or those dreams, goals, and you know, that ignition of that fire had happened. How do you think there was any of that? Or I don't, I just don't see Leslie saying, I just need you to help vacuum, you know, or something like that. No, she just she would never ever have said hey glenn stop chasing that to do more like here not vacuuming but just more time with the kids and and you know she she wants my kids she homeschools for a reason she wants our kids to be raised by their parents uh, and not by you know a teacher or anything else and i'm not saying that's bad it's just not what she wanted and so she wanted her, she loves me so much that she wanted my kids to be around me. And so when I told her that and, and she, and she smiled so big, I think part of it was a little bit of a, you know, relief, but the other part of it was definitely like, she would never have come to me and said, Glenn, stop. And so by her not having to say it, it was like, okay, right? And then immediately she shifted. Like the next day, she's like, I, I said the very next day, I was like, honey, I got to go to Vegas, right? Now, I want you, I want I want any, any, any woman in here that's listening, I want you to think about this for a second. Your husband's 40 years old. He's got this awesome career and he's making all this money and you're pregnant nine months. And he comes home and says, I quit my job and I'm going to Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be a little scary, right? But she, immediately put, she put me on the plane because in Vegas was the NADA convention. Every dealer in the country was going to be out there. And she knew I needed to be in that circle. So yeah, you're right. She didn't want to tie me to the house at all. Um, but she wanted, she, would, she was hoping that we could create just something better, an opportunity to use our time more wisely, spend more time with the kids, uh, really develop our relationship versus me just leaving at six in the morning, coming home at 10 o'clock at night every day. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, you mentioned uh, one day, I think it was this week, that um, you, you were again talking about that morning routine and you were talking about how you could not, um, uh, not only impart, but also impose your beliefs on Leslie. She had to come to that uh, understanding that getting up, you know, and having those extra hours are important 
to accomplish what you need to get accomplished. Yeah, and, super uh, important. Very. So you went to the uh, conference in Vegas and you came home and um, you just continued on. And this journey has been uh, just so vastly, you know, affected. Uh, it is affecting so many lives in so many ways. And not just the folks on um, the morning show who join us and you. I don't come every morning because, you know, 4.15 every day, it's, it's, it's too much. I got sick in October and I, with a bad, bad cold. And I, it's not so much I got out of the routine, but I realized I wasn't getting enough sleep because sure. I am a night owl. So, mm-hmm. you know, you can't function. You could, but maybe not I, you know. Two hey, we're all built differently. Every every night, yeah. But I do watch your uh, replays. You know I do. I do, I do. Uh, yeah. And, and I appreciate that. Well, I, I truly get so much from them. So I'd like you to share with our viewers about that because also I'm sure you hear this. I could never do what you do. I'm talking about this kind of show and things like that, but it's finding your niche. But um, but your shows have so much just meat to them. They're just great. Um, mm. And the, the, the um, themes are great. And I mean, it's obviously you put a lot of thought in them. And so just share a little bit about that because I want everybody to come uh, is Jimmy Robinson on this at all? No, mm-hmm. no. I have a friend that lives in London and outside of, uh, well, England, and he's locked down and he's getting very depressed. Mm-hmm. And it's, and I, I, I have said, you need, hello, the show is at, you know, noon. Right. Right. So, um, you know, it, it is, it imparts so much hope, as you've said about Jesus, you said, you know, that word before, you know, throughout this. So uh, share a little bit about the show itself. Yeah. So the show is your spirit. Where does it come from? Yeah. So the the show is interesting how it's how it's built. So we have um, now now that we're, you know, I've got a full studio or full production and and so on. And you know, back back in the early days, it was like I, I would wake up and and go downstairs and and do my gratitude and my goals, and then I would say, "What are we going to talk about today?" And then we'd, uh, you know, I'd write a little show and I'd come in and I'd kind of deliver it. And it's evolved now to where I now have to get up at three uh, thirty in the morning so that I have enough time to get in to the studio by four forty, so that I can take the 45 minutes that it takes to actually build the show um, production wise. But here's the coolest part about the whole show. So we do themes. Now we do, I write out the themes for 26 weeks and then we write out the themes for the next 26 weeks. And the theme is really just the guardrails so that we have, you know, so that the content's always new, it's always creative. And, it forces me to go learn and to read and and, mm-hmm. and so on and so forth, right? Um, we're doing a series next week on on like uh, African cultures and spirituality, right? Which is super super cool. And so it forces me to like learn and grow as a, as a mm-hmm. student by having these guardrails. But what's neat about the show is I wake up, I do my gratitude, I do my goals, I break I break out my one of my notepads, which I have hundreds of them, but my morning show notepad. And I write the words, good morning. And then I just ask, I just ask God, like, guide my words today, guide my hands. 
Like, where do you want us to take this? Who needs to hear what? Right. Here's the theme. What do they what do they need to hear? Right. And I write it. Um, I write the show day of. Uh, I write the show from now it's from 350 in the morning until 420. Takes me about 30 minutes to write it. And then I come into the studio and, and I build it. Um, but really the essence of, of hashtag rise and grind is to create a space that people can rely on, uh, that is going to be safe. That is always going to be safe, uh, filled with motivation, education, and inspiration that ultimately is designed to help people feel visible. So there's a reason on my show, I say good morning and I say people's names and we connect and we dance and we, we, we do all of that. And the purpose behind that is I remember what it felt like to be invisible. I remember what it felt like to have not have any hope. And so with my show, I want people to feel seen. We highlight our members and, and, you know, we do interviews and all these things. I want people to be seen, but then I also want someone, just one person that is feeling hopeless and invisible. I want them to go, well, if I just hang on three more hours, Glenn's going to be there and, and he's going to say my name, right? He's going to be there. He's going to say my name. There's going to be this community of people that are going to pour into me. Uh, if I can just hang on three more hours, right? Just three more hours. And so that's really the essence in the heart of rise and grind is I don't know who that one person is, mm-hmm. but it literally, I don't want to say I, I lose sleep at night. Cause I don't, I sleep like a rock, but it's always on my mind. Who is that one person? Where are they? And how can I reach them? And that's why we expand and we do podcasts and we do events and we do shows and we do meetups and we do uh, games and we do, you know, giveaways and all of that because I'm just, I don't want to miss Mm -hmm. that one person that's out there that all they really need is, Mm -hmm. is for someone to say their name, you know, like their life can literally be saved just by saving their name. And so that's what fuels me. That's 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 what keeps me going every day. Guys, if you have not joined us at 5:30 Eastern, 4:30 Central, and on and on for rise hashtag rise and grind, you need to, because it truly is a life changer. Um, I had a challenge last spring, and I said this is not going to be life defining to me. And I needed um, just to, I mean, again, I'd been watching it for over a year, but I needed that discipline. And I just said, I'm just going to get up every morning. And even though I get up at 5.30 or maybe six, but you know, I'm not a late sleeper, but, um, but and by the grace of God, I don't need a lot of sleep because as I said, I'm a night owl, but still it was that community, Glenn. It was that just getting to know everyone and just connecting. And then I, when you announced, you know, grow your business for God's sakes, other than Lisa, who was a speaker, I didn't know a soul. And I mean, not a soul. And so, but I knew I needed to go and Mm -hmm. connect with these folks. And I'll never forget walking up to the Twang sisters. Hey, you know, I knew their (laughs) names and they're like, And so now they're, they're lifelong friends, you know, uh, I was actually going to come to Kentucky for my birthday, but 
it just didn't work out from the sure. pandemic standpoint. But but it, it's such a special space, and mm -hmm. I invite everyone to join us for that. But jo uh, but you are truly the uh, you know you're an acronym for lead. Why mm. don't you share that? Yeah. So my acronym for lead it's I spell lead with two D's, L E A D D. Um, the L stands for listen, the E stands for encourage, the A stands for advise, and the D stands for develop, and the other D is daily. Listen, encourage, advise, and develop, and do it daily. That's what it's all about. And I say that you do not build a business, you build a team, and the team builds the business. That's right. And it is that, but you have to lead, and you do that, kiddo. You do mm, it. Thank you so much. I appreciate so, you. So, oh my goodness, it's five. Well, I, I finished this with, I'm sure, I, and I know if you have not read Three Feet from Gold, I'm sure you're familiar with the book, Three Feet from Gold. Sharon, yeah, like incredible book. Read, read yes. Mm -hmm. And in the book, you know, it starts with uh, um, fiction, this gentleman from the East Coast coming to the West uh, to the during the gold rush. And he bought a, um, a vein or a potential and was chipping away at it. And it was hard work and it was discouraging and he gave up. But the townies were watching him and someone bought his uh, property and three feet, he hit gold. Right. But what, but what, so that, you know, resonates with many people where we've given up. And that's why I, you know, just continue on because it is about my journey, not just the, the destination. That's right. Amen and, to that. Amen. But like you asking your guests on Fridays, I ask everyone, uh, because Sharon and Greg have what is called the success formula. So your passion times action plus action, excuse me, passion plus talent times association times action plus faith equal success. Now, I'm not going to ask you all those. But what the two, your passion and your talent, what are they, Glenn? What is my passion and what is my talent? Um, my passion is connecting. Well, that's not true. My passion is helping extract uniqueness out of people. Um, I believe that every human being has greatness inside of them. They're children of God and he has a master design and plan. Uh, and so I'm so passionate about bringing that out of people, the best versions of themselves that they can possibly be. I don't need them to be like me, think like me, walk like me or talk like me. I want to see the best version of you that you can be. Uh, so that would be my passion. As far as my talent, I think my biggest talent um, it's really it's really a gift and it comes down to how I was raised and, and being biracial and whatnot. I think I think my biggest talent is that I can I can get along and see things from every angle and perspective. I can understand the inmate. I can understand the homeless person. I can understand being black. I can understand being white. I can understand being poor. I can understand being rich. I can understand being on drugs. I can understand being drunk. Like I can understand all of those things. I can understand being hopeless. I can understand depression. I can also understand joy and abundance. And so my talent, the gift that I've been given is the ability to 
shift perspectives and see things through other people's eyes so that we can still connect even though we're different. And then ultimately I can go into my passion, which is extracting that greatness out of you, that uniqueness that makes you so incredible. Mm. So rich, so mm. good, so good. Thank you. Glenn Lundy, thank you, sir, for being here and sharing your heart and your soul. Because when you said about being invisible to me, that is where that soul is so void. And so thank you for sharing so, so transparently with mm. everyone. It's a of true course. blessing this Thanksgiving. Thank you so much for having me, Megan. I really appreciate you. And I'll see you Monday morning. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be there. Okay. <laughs> see you in a minute, though. Thank you. So All much. right. Yeah. Wow, 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 guys. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. And I truly ask you to share this out. Now, Glenn, throughout his show, Rise and Grind, he's always asking um, the viewers to share. And I try to stay very present in this. Um, and therefore, I, but I should have said that early on, that this is going to be extraordinary. And that please do share this out. People will come back and listen to this again and again, because it's so rich and so full uh, and so impactful. Because as Glenn said, he is his life has encompassed the good, the bad, and the not so good. So it, but yet look at the uh, Phoenix rising in this and with his faith and uh, what all of his experiences coming together. So please share this out. It truly would bless, I know many, many people. And if you came on the show at on my personal page, please do uh, friend me on my new business page, megandemartino.com. And on my new uh, website, megandemartino.com is my book, Hope and Possibilities, Just Over the Horizon. It's never too early or too late to create the life of your dreams. And it's my story, a New York girl, and evolving from there. So it is free. So just go there. It'll be a, a good read for this Thanksgiving weekend. And I look forward to your comments from that. So again, we'll see you on Monday uh, for Teach, Motivate, and Inspire. And then again, next Friday for Heather Parody, who is also um, kind of Glenn's new co-host. And so that's going to be, a, you'll see her on a hashtag Rise and Grind, but also next Friday on Unique Leaders Live. So we'll see you during the weekend and Monday as well. Thank you so much for joining us and be blessed. Thank you for listening to the Unique Leaders Podcast. If we said something today that resonated with you, please connect with me at megandemartino.com. I have a free gift for you. My book, Hope and Possibilities, Just Over the Horizon. It's never too early or too late to create the life of your dreams. And don't forget to head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. I would truly appreciate it. Be blessed.